0: Welcome to MBS Academy's Real Lives, and today we're talking to Rachel Means, who is a survivor of sexual trauma. Hello, Rachel. How are you today? I'm doing well, Jackie. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to us today um, about a subject that has obviously had a major impact on your life. And it it could be quite a sensitive subject. It's a subject that many people don't want to talk about. But I don't know about you, but I think it's, it's quite an important thing to talk about to bring out into the open. And I'm really pleased. And I thank you very much for wanting to share your story because I think sharing stories helps people with their own experiences. It helps them to realize they're not alone. It reduces fear and loneliness and and may even inspire somebody to seek um, help or therapy in the way that you have to change their lives.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a stigma around talking about sexual assault and sexual trauma and I think there the more is. that we, the more that we talk about it, the more normalized it's going to become, and people will realize that they're they're not alone in this, and that they can talk to people, and that they can get help, and that they can get better, and kind of
0: be on track to a so-called normal life. If yeah. you will. <laughs> well, they said, they said a survivor. I mean, you, you know, you you're now um, criminals. Psychologist, is that right? Uh, criminologists. Criminologists, that's right. Mm-hmm um now uh, you told me a little bit about your background but this actually starts when you were really quite young Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so um growing up
1: when i was about six years old we lived next to a horse farm and i would take riding lessons and um there was a person over there who um became i guess you could say attached to me they wanted to hang out and stuff like that. And I was I was six. I didn't realize, you know, anything yeah. was weird. Um, but, you know, essentially we would play these games. That's what I would call them. Um, okay. No red flags in my head, of course. You know, I'm just like, oh, I have a friend. You're six. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're six, right. And so it was a really weird time in my family life because my older sister, she was nine at the time, she suffered a traumatic birth and uh, she started having seizures when she was nine and so um my sister started having all these medical issues and then my little sister was only one years old so she was a toddler um but i remember i can look back in my life like at that time and see a very distinct change in my personality i was like really outgoing as a kid and then um as the years progressed i became really like recluse and uh like angry um, but I I never really could figure out why, and my parents didn't really notice the change either because they were you know focusing on my sister obviously, um, yes. and then their newborn baby. Um, but that molestation went on for probably three years until like I was getting I was around nine years old um, nine or ten, where like puberty was going to be setting in soon. And yeah. I started to feel, like, a little bit uncomfortable with what was going on. Like, that was the first time that I was like, okay, this is kind of weird. But I didn't yeah. think, like, oh, this is molestation. I was just like, I don't want to do this anymore kind of thing. Yeah. And so I just I stopped taking riding lessons and stopped going next door.
0: Okay. Did your parents um, have a question why you stopped taking riding lessons, or did they just accept that you just didn't want to do it anymore?
1: Yeah. No, they just accepted it. So, I yeah, it, it was – it's a weird dynamic for our family because mm-hmm. they they kind of attributed my behavior to me like attention seeking because mm-hmm. my sisters were like getting a lot of attention being a baby and being sick. And so they thought I was just like lashing out kind of being a spoiled child.
0: Yes, middle um,
1: child. Right. They said I had mm-hmm. middle child syndrome a lot. Um, yeah. But as I got older, especially middle school, middle school was really hard for me. I got bullied a lot. Um mm-hmm. But I I was like that kid that was in the principal's office every day for like getting in trouble for something or like I would run away from home or, you know, just all these different things. And um, mm-hmm. my parents were just like so over me <laughs> <Okay>. and uh, <laughs> so they sent me to therapy when I was 13 and. Um, And I remember my therapist, like, I went in there, like, all smiles, like, whatever, you know, nothing's wrong with me. And um, but he suggested that I uh, play sports because I was I was lashing out a lot. I had a lot of anger. And I unfortunately took a lot of that anger out on my little sister, um, which she still (laughs) brings up today, of course, you know, siblings. Um, Yeah,
0: siblings. Yes, it's
1: yeah You're <laughs> <Right. in support. laughs> Yeah, but um she they they all understand now like why yeah. i was so angry um but yeah so as i got into high school i started playing sports and that helped a lot um getting out a lot of my aggression and then i got really involved with drama club i was doing really well um my grades weren't like great in school but they were mm-hmm. doing okay yeah. um i got into college and all that stuff um so i was like on a pretty good path and then my graduation night from high school i went to a party that i wasn't supposed to go to of course because i was only 18. um (laughs) i had yeah yeah um i definitely had some drinks but um that's not an excuse for what happened but um a guy that i went to school with that i you know i didn't know him super well but he um he essentially was like, hey, I want to show you something. And I was like, okay. And I followed him stupidly down to his bedroom. And then the next thing I know, his clothes are off and like my clothes are being taken off and um, and he raped me. And um, I just, I, I don't remember everything super clearly, but I remember hearing my friend looking for me. And I remember like calling her name and like trying mm-hmm. to leave and yeah, just like his, his elbow being like in my collarbone, like holding me down. And he was just like, he kept telling me to wait, which is really weird, (laughs) just wait. Um, And then afterwards he apologized. He was just like, oh, I'm I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I was just like, I I can't do this, I gotta go. And I rationalized that whole situation Mm -hmm. for years. I was just like, it was a stupid mistake that I made being drunk essentially so i did not accept that that was a rape for a really long time um but it affected me a lot I, I went off to college that fall and i was i had such bad depression i struggled with anorexia i like wasn't eating i so i'm almost six feet tall and i was i weighed okay. like 130 pounds like it was, right. it was really bad. i looked like yeah. a skeleton um
0: but once like <laughs> Assignment. Did nobody at that time did nobody at that time sort of question or ask you or think that maybe there was you know an issue did nobody want to even even with the the eating disorder did nobody suggest that um you may needed some assistance at that time um so i was
1: i had a guy that i was dating at the time and and he was kind of like you're really skinny um like maybe you should talk to somebody and he actually talked to my mom about it and so she ended up bringing it up to me um but it didn't really progress much further than that um right. i i attributed so i i did not put the the points together for a long time yeah. i was like oh, i'm depressed because i don't like this school essentially i was, I was just yeah. like oh i need to school.
0: <laughs> the self-blame again it's my fault um you know that this right. is happening yeah right So
1: I transferred schools the next year. um, And I was like, all right, it's going to be a new beginning. It's going to be great. Um, And it it was a really good choice for me, though, to go to this new school. I made some really great friends. And um, at this point, I started struggling with a lot of health problems, um, Mm -hmm. just like chronic pain problems. I was having a ton of stomach issues. I developed gallstones. I had to get my gallbladder out when I was 19 years old. and I think a lot of it was just, you know, your body has these physical reactions to trauma and, you know, doctors could not figure out what was wrong with me. They did like a million tests mm. and, you know, nothing came up.
0: And, Which I think, uh, I think that in itself is a really good um, issue, but a flag to put out to people to say, you know, that if you have got physical stuff going on, you can't really work out. That it could mm-hmm. well be to do with your mental state. Um, Absolutely, you know, and 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 stress that you've been holding on, stress and anxiety that hold on in your body somewhere that needs to be released, and the mm-hmm. body will find a way. So Absolutely. yeah, I mean that's a really good point to to sort of say to people out there. You know, think about it. If you've got a health issue that you can't find a biological reason for, maybe it's because there's something going on that you're not aware of.
1: Yeah, you're not facing. That's- Absolutely, and on a side note, so one thing I studied a lot in grad school was um, the the connection between childhood trauma and, and mm. your physical health in adulthood. Um, so there's actually a test you can take, it's called Adverse Childhood Experiences, the ACE test. Um, and depending, it's, it's just 10 questions and you have a score zero to 10. Um, and depending on your number, it can tell you like if you're at increased risk for certain, like even like heart disease and lung, lung disease. Mm,
0: okay, um, that's interesting.
1: Yeah, so it's a really, really cool thing to look at. It's very yeah. eye-opening. Um, yeah, so I transferred schools, and then um, I, I had these two wonderful roommates. They're they're still two of my best friends. And I just remember one day, I like somehow brought up what happened in high school, and my friend she she was molested as a child too, but she had recognized what it was when she was younger, and she mm-hmm. had been working through those. So she was you know, very aware of like, sexual trauma and what it looked like. And, and I just remember telling my story. And she was like, Rachel, like, that's rape, like, you were raped. And I was like, no, what? And she was like, Yeah, like, that's what that is. And I'm like, holy cow. And then I was like, Okay, that makes so much sense. And I, I literally remember thinking to myself, okay, that makes sense. Why I've been struggling since I graduated high school. But I always had like, this feeling like something was wrong with me growing up, but I could never figure out what it was. And so I remember after figuring that out, I was like, okay, that explains my behavior now. I'm like, I still don't get my behavior when I was younger. I always just blamed it on like seeing my older sister being sick because she had a a lot of seizures, a lot. Like she would have like 20 a day. It was crazy.
0: Right. Um, That must have been quite stressful to live through on its own.
1: Yeah, that was very stressful. Especially when my parents would like leave me (laughs) at home alone with her and I would have to deal with her when she had seizures when I was, you know, 12 right. years old or something um
0: Big it was responsibility
1: crazy. yeah yeah I I, I always told myself I had to grow up too fast
0: <laughs> mm, yeah absolutely yeah. well from a very young age mm-hmm.
1: right um so yeah and then in college so I realized that I still didn't get any help I was like okay well I know what this is so I'll be able to work through it on my own kind of mm-hmm. thing um so I At this point, so after I was raped when I was 18, I always feel like when somebody's sexually assaulted or they have experienced sexual trauma, they kind of do one of two things. They either like shut down and they decide I'm not dating anymore. I'm not going to be involved with men at all. And that's Mm -hmm. how my friend was in college. She like never had any boyfriends, never did anything. I went the opposite route and where I became like extremely sexual, sexually promiscuous, Mm -hmm. just trying to prove that I was in control.
0: Yes. Um,
1: So now not only did I have the sexual trauma, but now I'm just like having this stigma of also being like a very sexually active woman. Uh, So that was kind of a struggle for me, too. And that's just a societal thing that every woman has to deal with, unfortunately. Um, So, yeah, I kind of had a label, I guess you could say at that point. Yeah. Um, So I finished college. Um, Everything's okay I, I mean i still have a lot of chronic pain and health issues um and i had a second instance of uh i would call it more of like a date rape i guess you could say i i feel like that's society telling me that i should label it differently it's still a rape um but i i I went out to a bar in my hometown and um, I had a few drinks. There was a guy there trying to pick me up and I was just like, no, like I'm over this. I don't want to go home with anybody. Um, Mm -hmm. But I was too drunk to drive and I had a friend there who I I had literally known him since I was a child. Like we went to church together, like our families like know each other, all the like, you know, this classic childhood childhood thing. So there was, yeah, like a brother and, so he was like you can just come crash at my place it's not a big deal and I'm like cool there like wasn't a shadow of doubt in my mind that I would not be safe in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um but we get back to his house have a couple more drinks and he just gets like you know I don't even know how it progressed but he was on top of me and things were happening and I I was pretty incapacitated at that point cuz I mean it's it's silly that I feel like oh I shouldn't have been that drunk but at the same time it's like I should be able to be
0: drunk if I want to be you know you were with somebody <laughs> that you trusted that you can right. you know sort of you've got a that long relationship like that that's like mm-hmm. a, from childhood it's like a brother sister relationship but of course it'd be trust and how do yeah. you rebuild trust to
1: see i it. i haven't talked to that person since <laughs> so, well yeah yeah <laughs> um but yeah so he um yeah he raped me and it yeah i, I was i was like on the verge of like not being conscious <laughs> i feel like you know and um and i so i don't really remember all of it and afterwards i knew exactly what it was that time i there yes. was no question in my mind that that's what it was i was so angry the next day. Like I like left in the morning and I went down to that friend, the same friend that, you know, um, told me that that's what Wraith is Rachel in the beginning. And I was just venting to her. I was so mad about what happened. I was like, I trusted this guy. Like I told him specifically, I didn't want to go home and have sex with anybody. And then he does this and and it was just like a floodgate open in my brain. Like I started right. getting all these flashback images of when I was mm-hmm. a kid of being molested. And I was I remember just like blanking and sitting there and and it was just like my friend read my mind. I started like babbling and she was just like, Rachel, were you molested as a kid? And I was like, Yeah, I think so. And it was it was just so much to deal with. I was so overwhelmed at that point. Mm-hmm. So I went home. I wrote this really long letter, just describing everything. And I gave it to my dad and my dad and I had always had a really rocky relationship, um, because he thought that I was just like this rebellious kid and that I was ungrateful. And I always thought that he was disappointed in me and all these stuff, all this stuff. Um, and I gave him this letter and I have never seen my dad cry before, but he, he cried after he read that <laughs> i was get choked up um and he was just like rachel we're going to fix this like don't worry about anything you don't have to work you don't have to do anything i'm going to pay for it all you're going to go to therapy and you're going to get you're going to get better essentially and um, so he was he was a huge support i mean he would sit supportive. Hmm. yeah he was so supportive he he would stay up with me at night you know just like talking through stuff or like my therapist had me write a lot of letters to like people that hurt me or letters to myself and like he would read them and he would be there for me and it was it was just it was a game changer like having you know a parent be there for you um it was hard because my my mom on the other hand she when i told her what happened her response was are you sure that's what happened (laughs) Yes. and so uh, that's definitely put strain on our relationship um, I mean I still love her and I still you know talk to her all the time but there's always just like that little part of my brain that's just like why did you have to respond it's, it's,
0: that way um, is, is she, does she respond in that way because she's actually trying to protect herself from recognizing what, what you went through Maybe maybe she feels that she failed to protect you and that's probably part of it
1: yeah, I would think so. But not wanting that to be true because that yeah, would mean as a that
0: parent is something sort of if you haven't done your job of making mm-hmm. sure your child is safe. Right. Especially right. from such a young age. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like I said though, we talk all the time. We're good friends. Um good. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I I went to intensive therapy like three times a week um with this amazing therapist she was fantastic uh, I, I like owe her a lot um, she encouraged me to start writing poetry um to get out my feelings and mm-hmm. and to write letters to people she had me write letters and then burn them that was very yes. therapeutic um, Absolutely. <laughs> uh, but just and and even she had me do this really cool thing. She had me split myself into two personalities, one that had experienced trauma and then the other side of myself that was trying to be strong. Um, And then talking about like when each person can come out and like how one person has probably been in control for a very long time kind of thing. And even just like breaking yourself down into those like two places where like one of them, you're allowed to be completely vulnerable and acknowledge a lot of stuff. I don't think I'd given myself that opportunity before then. Um, Mm -hmm. So that was really cool. And it was, I'm not saying it was an easy process of of doing all of this. Mm -hmm. It It was a lot of work. And it wasn't like I, I finished therapy and I was great. You know, I finished therapy and I was able to facilitate through stuff, I was actually able to, it was like taking a jumbled stack of huge papers that I was overwhelmed by and being able to lay them all out flat, you know, and, and kind of sift through it and understand it. And once I was able to do that, then I was able to start slowly moving forward. Um, so it took a long time, I took a lot a long time for myself, I, I didn't engage in any kind of relationships. I stopped drinking altogether not saying that if you are raped when you're drunk it means you should give up alcohol forever. That's just a decision that I've made yeah. um, but it was a long it was a long process. but I took time for myself to really get to know myself for the first time with you know all this information that I had and saying okay, it makes sense why I was angry when I was a kid. Let's let's work through it and let's move forward. And so restart. Exactly. Mm. I started doing things for myself. Um, just taking time for myself. I started trying to be in nature a lot more, going for hikes, um, just being away from people, trying to calm my thoughts. Um, I got a dog that helped a lot.
0: (laughs) Yes, they
1: do, don't they? Yeah. I I still struggled with a lot of depression. I was still having a ton of chronic pain. Um, right. Yeah, and uh, so it, it just took a long time. And then I, I was in this job that I it was it was a good job, but I wasn't it wasn't for me. Um, so I decided to apply to graduate school. And I think when I I think when I got into grad school, I was that was like a moment for me where I was like, I I, I was like, okay, wow, like I actually accomplished this. Mm-hmm. even though I've been through all this stuff. So it was like a big hurdle for me to, because I felt stuck, like I maybe I wasn't going to be doing much with my life. And
0: then I got into graduate school and I was like, okay, you know, take pride it. in it's value, you're worth it. You know, you can do right. it. You right. can achieve. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um,
1: yeah. And it, it worked out really well. I ended up doing a, a distance learning program because I couldn't afford to move and, all that stuff to, uh, for graduate school. So I ended up moving in with my sister and um, it was a fantastic decision because I actually met my husband in the town where she lives. Um, and it's it's just been a, a whole healing process since then, um, really getting to know myself, understanding my worth, understanding what I want out of a relationship, what I deserve out of a relationship and, and being confident enough to know, like, if you if you meet somebody and and you like not sure you're getting weird vibes or something, having the confidence to be like, yeah, no, like I don't need to pursue yeah. this further, um, and being being okay with saying like, hey, I had a really good time last night, but I think we should just be friends, or I I don't really want to pursue this, um, and people get offended when you say that, but you have to look out for yourself. Um, Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, that's. Pretty much it. I mean, now I mean we we've only been married for almost five months. We're newlyweds.
0: Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Yeah. That's,
1: that's um, yeah, and I I've been able to get my chronic pain under under. I've been able to manage it now. It's all muscular because you know of course doctors couldn't figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. So I just have to do a lot of a lot of muscular therapy stuff every day to keep it under wraps. But um. I I really enjoy sharing my story because, like you said, people don't talk about it enough, and I've had multiple occasions where, because it comes up, it comes up, you get a group of girls together, and eventually I feel like somebody's going to talk
0: about something that happened to them, Um, and it's unfortunate that do you okay, find no. it surprising the number of women that actually go well yeah i've experienced some of that or this has happened to me or you know once once you start opening um the door and allowing people to talk and in people feel supported um it's a bit, a bit of a shock really yeah. um, the number of women that uh, have had very similar experiences
1: yep absolutely
0: mm-hmm. yeah um- so many women and
1: it I think a lot of men don't realize how many women mm-hmm. deal with this because I've I've, you know, had conversations with men and they're just like, Oh,
0: you know, I didn't it's not that many,
1: but mm-hmm. it is.
0: Um and and it's in that point as well. I mean, it's not only a female issue. Right, absolutely. Um, no, men men do go through sexual trauma as well. And right. you're right, it just needs to be opened up and spoken about. Um mm-hmm to to allow people to work their way through it and sort out their lives and get themselves on track mm-hmm. so i mean you've also from your experiences has led you to doing podcasts as well hasn't that
1: yeah it has um so i i host a criminology podcast called crisis of crime um I think one of the reasons I decided to study criminal justice is because I saw that the system was failing a lot of people and so I mm-hmm. wanted to help reform it and I find that's very common with criminologists that they're going into the field to try to
0: reform it um mm-hmm. <clears throat> so there's definitely because you a- never you never sorry you never made that decision to go down um take criminal action or, or prosecute or you the people that um harmed you did you ever think to do that or is that not an avenue you ever wanted to take
1: i did not i remember my dad asking me if i wanted to um but for me in my head i was like that was so long ago and then for i think this is a problem too for like when i was raped both times i honestly feel like if you went to those men and asked them like have you ever raped a woman and they like honestly answered you i don't think they would like think that in their head you know they think yeah, oh they i'm
0: just don't recognize pushed. it don't right you know they'll say well you could you you didn't stop me you consented right yeah.
1: and i, I think and that's a huge it. yeah i think that's a huge problem that we have right now is that men or in and women whoever the uh, assaulter is they don't realize that that's what they're doing mm. um or or they may just think yeah, like, oh, they didn't say no, so it's okay. I, I I remember being in college and this guy at a party, like, he was talking to me and my friends and he was telling us about this girl that he went home with and that she was like, passed out from being drunk and was unconscious and he still had sex with her. And we were
0: like... Is that right? We were like, Isn't that Isn't something you should great? do? And,
1: and he was just like, no, I mean, she was there. She was probably gonna do it anyways. And it's just like,
0: okay. okay. <laughs> yeah cool.
1: um so mm-hmm. it's it's just like a, a cultural problem and this, and this is part of the criminal justice thing too is is you see people like brock turner who rape women behind dumpsters while they're unconscious getting mm-hmm. you know only three months in jail and the judge is like i don't want to ruin this young man's life and you know they post his swim times in the article where they talk about him and so it's just, like, our justice system, at least here in the United States, like doesn't do justice for sexual assault victims. A lot of times we're met with a lot of skepticism. I have a friend who um, was raped. She went to the police, and they said that there wasn't enough evidence, that they couldn't do anything about it, essentially. Um, and so I think that's also part of the reason why I didn't want to come forward. It's just...
0: Yeah. Reliving it all again as well, isn't it? Right. It to relive Mm. it like that again, to be questioned
1: on your own trauma and then to have them say, we're not going to do anything about it or you're lying would just be even more traumatic. So, um,
0: I mean, I think a lot of women probably think the same.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Mm. I think so. Um, I'm hoping with all the Me Too movement and Time's Up that things will get better. We see, you know, people in high places getting arrested like Harvey Weinstein um, Mm. and Jeffrey Epstein. But I know that we still we still have a really long way to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. But the more that we talk about it, the more we normalize it. Yeah. Then the the easier it will be for us to actually create change because it's not going to be this taboo thing that nobody wants to talk about.
0: Exactly. Yes. Which is again it's I mean you talk about these things on your podcasts. Hmm. What sort of stories do you get on your podcast? Are they um, all sexually related or are there other crimes as well?
1: Yeah, so I cover a variety of crimes. Um, Sometimes I'll dedicate a podcast. Like recently I did one on the relationship between prostitution and human trafficking because the majority of prostitutes and sex workers are victims of sex trafficking, around 89%. Um, So but prostitution is criminalized in the United States. Mm. So a victim is now being criminalized for something that they're not wanting to do. They're being held against their will. Um, So, uh, But for the podcast in general, it's usually different topics in criminology. It's not all just about um, sexual trauma. I do talk about oppression a lot and how that leads to criminality. So like the feminist theory of criminality suggests that the patriarchy and the oppression of women causes women to commit crimes. So stuff yeah. like that. Um, yeah. yeah, so I Sounds always try to take- <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, shall, I shall find your podcast and I will listen to them for sure. <laughs> Sounds really interesting. Rachel, it's been absolutely lovely talking to you and I'm so pleased that you're sharing your story and you know making as you say normalizing it giving people confidence to be able to talk about these things um so i'm really really grateful thank you very much for being on today and if and everybody's enjoyed this podcast then please like share and we'll see you soon thank you thank you